Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com slash DSO. That's betterhelp.com slash DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Hello everyone, DSO here from dadstartingover.com. And before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to get a couple of pieces of business out of the way. Number one, I sell books. You can find my books at dadstartingover.com slash books. The books include my bestseller, The Dead Bedroom Fix. My second book is called Now What? A Guide for Men Starting Over in Life After Infidelity, Breakup, and Divorce. And my third and final book is called Red Flags. You can buy these all directly from my website and download directly from my website, or you can go to any of the major retailers. Second piece of business is that I have a members-only part of my website called the DSO Fraternity. With the DSO Fraternity, you have access to all of my books in PDF and audio format. You also get access to members-only articles and audio, and you are free to discuss those articles with fellow members on the website. And we also have DSO Fraternity live meetings via Zoom. In these live meetings, you are free to share your story and listen to advice from others. And on occasion, we will have a special guest, such as author Dr. Robert Glover of No More Mr. Nice Guy. So please check out the DSO Fraternity at dadstartingover.com join. Thank you so much, and on to the episode. So Matt, I am looking over your email that you sent to me here, and you and your wife have been together for around 11 years, correct? Correct. Married now for six, and you have four kids total, but they all four are from previous marriages, three from her, one from you, correct? Yes. Okay. Let's start at the beginning then. Um, how did you two meet? I actually met through Facebook. Oh. Was this the Facebook dating yeah. thing formally, or was this you just friends of No, friends? not at all. Um, I found her looking for an ex-girlfriend. This was just about the time when Facebook just came out. And we were all just going through Facebook looking for old friends and old flames and all that stuff. And I just happened to find this woman with the exact same name as an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> so it was That's kismic, hilarious. I guess, or fate or whatever you call it. Sure, and sure. Um, just started chatting her up. She thought she knew me because my last name was kind of familiar to her as well. Uh-huh. But um, neither one of us really knew each other and we just hit it off. Well, how about that? That's funny. And yes, one in a million. 
so tell me a little bit, if you don't mind, about your and hers previous relationships, previous marriages. What happened there? Uh, I was with a person that ended up being from the wrong side of the tracks and being uh, bipolar, oh. unbeknownst to me in the beginning. Mm-hmm. She she was the best um, fake it until you make it uh, devil in disguise I've ever met. And um, she was in a marriage of just, uh, I guess, somebody that was just a control freak. For, for lack of a better word. So if you so were I'm both, an extrovert, she's an introvert. Okay. So if you were to both categorize your previous relationships, it was we both came from very broken relationships and just looking to connect with some sane people and you found each other. Um, she had three kids previous. That's a lot. That's quite the litter. Did you have any uh, trepidations about playing stepdad? Um, no, not at the age of, uh, you know, the older you get, I think at the time I was 30, 32 when I met her. Okay. And, um, I mean, it wasn't something that, I guess it wasn't a deal breaker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it I wasn't initially ask... something I was looking for, but it's not like I wasn't looking for it either. You know? Gotcha. It, it wasn't a deal breaker for right. you at the time. Yeah. Right. Right. So I forgot to ask at the very beginning, the ages of you and your wife? Uh, I was 32 and she was, uh, 30. And so now it's 43 and. Now it's 45 and 43. 45 and 43. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I'm looking at your description. You sent me an email. I always ask everyone before they, before we chat to send me an overview and email. Uh-huh. So, I can get, so I can get a good picture here. Um, you wouldn't say that your relationship is very much on the decline per se but you're just not getting everything you want out of it, which begs the question, what exactly is, Mm -hmm. what exactly is it that you want? Well, I think a lot of it, like your book pinpoints is uh, improving on yourself and trying to find, you know, your own happiness and basically working on yourself. So a lot of my problems or a lot of my marriage problems, if I had any problems in the bedroom would be, would be stemming from that as far as, I'm currently having a problem trying to find happiness within myself, trying to find purpose, that sort of thing. And that's affecting my marriage as far as, you know, being a leader, not being needy, not coming off as this, uh, as this, as a, as a provider more than a lover role. Well, let's dig into that more. Cause that sounds like almost an existential crisis of, of sorts. What is it that is, you know, what is the crux of the problem when you're not finding yourself and, and so forth? Can you dig into that more? Um, I don't really know. I mean, I, I think, uh, depression has part to do with it. I think I've been, uh, battling depression for most of my adult life, which I thought was in remission for a while. But I think that this COVID thing and being trapped indoors and, and, and I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a conformist whatsoever. You know what I mean? I go against the grain, not on purpose, but it seems like every chance I get, I have to go against the grain. You know, it's kind of like a, a restaurant that offered your favorite food for years, but now they took it off the menu. You know, it's like the one thing that you always crave and now it's gone. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my whole life is like that. My whole life has been an uphill battle going against the grain. I just have to fight and claw and, you know, do everything. Everything is a battle. You know, nothing comes easy for me. Can you give me an example? Um. <sighs> Anything. I mean, I think the world we live in has become such a hard place to be. Um, it took me a year and a half 
to build my pool because contractors, you know, you can't get people to show up. You can't get people to do what they say they're going to do. Um, you can't get people that are supposed to be the professionals in their field to tell you the consumer what it is you don't know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Sure. So as a consumer, we make a lot of mistakes. We spend a lot of extra money and time researching and doing things twice or three times because the people we go to that are supposed to be the professionals don't tell us what we need to know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's one thing that's been a burden, I think, in our marriage is that I take on the majority of that type of responsibility, being the man in the relationship. I'm always going outside the box, having to make all those phone calls, having to deal with all those people that drag you down day after day. And that just wears on you, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's, it's almost as if the world is conspiring against you at times. Like, damn it. Why can't, why can't one thing just be simple? You know, why can't I just hand over the reins to somebody and say, build me a pool. And it just happens. Why do I have to get involved? Why do I have to make calls? Why, why, why? Um, same well, thing. I realize I'm not the only one in this boat. I realize there's a well, lot sure. of other people that have the same problems, but it doesn't help my situation. I need to realize that, you know? No, no. Um, would you say you're an anxious person? I am a super anxious person. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I'm, I say this because anecdotally, I, I speak from experience in that uh, my mom, who I've written about in the, uh, on the DSO fraternity site, um, I had an article called mommy issues and my mom was what you would call an uber anxious person. And that super anxiety bleeds over into a lot of different things, a lot of different facets of life. And it's not just worry that she has a tremendous amount of, but it's also negativity that permeates everything. And I often joke with my, my readers that I could hand my mom a million dollars and say, I just won the lottery. I want a bazillion dollars. I'm giving you a million. Merry Christmas. Have at it. And she would sit there and look at that pile of money and come up with a million reasons why this was a bad idea. Where'd you, right. get, the, where'd you get the money? Is this taxed? Are you sure you didn't steal this? It would just go on. And on. That's, that's my mom. But she sure. is, she is also the type to say almost verbatim what you just said, which is why does everything have to be so goddamn hard? Um, mm -hmm. Why is it that if I ask somebody to fix my pipes in the bathroom that he's got to run off and get some part that he forgot and then I don't hear back from him for two hours and then he calls me and says, I'm not going to be able to come back. Why, why, you, how come I can't trust anybody? I mean, I don't care what it is. She will find a reason to bitch about it. And sure. if the general theme is, why can't this just be easier? And what I've found with her and this is a problem that I have is that as her son, I don't necessarily feel comfortable playing the role of her little life coach, if you want to call it that, or mentor or whatever, but I kind of have to play the, the man part. And a, a lot of the times I tell her, which I'm going to say to you is that, do you think there are opportunities for you to put your foot down more, to be the more proactive draw line in the sand asshole? Are, are you, I actually think I take every option to, to be that person. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, you, you know, like for the pool people, hey, you're screwing up. Guess what? You're fired. Next guy. That type of thing. Um, I know that's one small example. But how does this attitude of yours of uh, things just don't go right? Why is everything such an uphill battle? How does that apply to your marriage specifically and your relationship to your wife? 
Um, I think when something happens, it's a turnoff. I mean, for example, the other night we went out to eat and had one of the worst experiences uh, going out to eat I've had in a really long time. I mean, it's one thing for your food to come out cold or if it's another thing that you didn't get any silverware or any of those things. But we actually had an experience where we got no silverware, no napkins. Like my meal came out first and then 20 minutes later, my wife's meal came out and it was a weird situation. And I finally called the manager over and I said, what, what is going on here? I was, I was kind of beside myself, you know, looking from yeah. the outside in. And she just told me that, you know, they were short on cooks and she apologized and she comped our meal and everything. And that wasn't what I was looking for. I, I was more honestly looking for an explanation. It's one thing, my, all right, my food came out cold or whatever. You're, if you're short on cooks, well, what does it have to do with, like, I don't have a napkin to start with, or I have no silverware on my table. Mm-hmm. Like, all the above, the, 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 the ABCs of how to run a restaurant just went out the window, you know? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, my wife looks at me like, you know, she'll, she'll kick me under the table, and she'll not want me to be rude, not want me to cause a scene. And um, I don't make a, an, a big effort about it. I don't, I don't raise my voice. I don't do anything. I know that, you know, everybody's human. I'm not trying to make a scene. But I'm the type of person, and I tell my wife and my kids this, if you don't speak up, that's why there's not any change, because nobody wants to say anything. True. And, and things are just going to keep going the way they're going in this world if nobody stands up and takes a stand. And this is a small example, but this is where it starts, you know? Does it bother you if the, the ultimate resolution to that is, it's just a shitty restaurant, move on to the next? Is that an option for you, or, or no? These people have to learn their lesson, damn it. No, absolutely. I just wouldn't go back and I would choose another restaurant next time. Yeah, I would have. I don't, I don't need to let it linger and harbor it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm the type where it's like, where's the silverware? Where's the napkin? You know what? Let's get out of here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so impatient in that way, almost to a fault, that I don't give him a chance to really let me down, so to speak. So when the pool guy doesn't yeah. show up on Tuesday like he said he would, I'm going, dude, pool guy, I don't think it's going to work out. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll go on to the next one type of thing. Um, Would your wife, not to put words in her mouth, would she be the type to say that Matt sure is, likes to go on and on about things and he's very negative in that way? I think she would probably say that, yeah, even though she doesn't necessarily do that. If I would have pulled up... uh... So, say, you cut on me. I'm sorry. You cut on me for a little bit. Sorry. I was saying if I would have done what you would have done where I just got up and left i think it probably would have been worse for my that evening with my wife than than the way it went down you know what i mean what makes you think that well you know i mean there's a way of doing it where you know grab your wife by the hand and say you know what honey let's go into the next place come on we could do better than this as opposed to screw this place you know throw your stuff down and get out i think that's part of the issue i think the issue is the way that i would have handled it i I would have been anxious and probably a little bit angry and I, I would have wanted to make a scene to show them like look you know this is why we're leaving or whatever and then mm-hmm. she would have been angry because I made a scene in the way that yeah. I went about it instead of go. just grabbing her hand and saying you know with a great attitude you know yeah I I think you just hit it right there that's where I was going with this is are you framing this, these situations which are super common and with all of the chaos of the COVID, this and that is going to become more common. You know, the, the everyday mundane things of going out and doing stuff. I've noticed people are dropping the ball left and right. Um, it's just a mess. You know, food deliveries. I get groceries delivered here. Sure enough, three eggs are broken. This, this, and this. It, it's all in how you react to things. You know, that old stoic philosophy. You can't necessarily control what happens to you, but you sure as hell can control how you react to it. 
Um, and I think how you're framing things, how you're reacting, I think goes a long ways towards propagating just more additional problems than that you have. Once you kind of frame things in the sense of this isn't that big of a deal. Hey, these things happen. I go on to the next or can I, can I fix this? No. Well then it's off my brain. I, I, I don't concern myself with it. Is it fixable? Yes. All right. What do I need to do? All right. We're doing that. And then it's off my plate. Um, to me, that's a more healthy, less stressful, less anxious filled way of doing things. So an, another way of framing this is that your reaction is such that it's kind of needy. Maybe a bit of a stretch. But... I would, uh, I would totally agree with, with everything you're saying, but let me ask you a, yes. a question. How, how do you do that? How do you frame things differently and try to have a better attitude about it when you have the rock of Gibraltar of jadedness sitting on your shoulder? And what I mean by that is, in my mind, because things are the way they are right now because of COVID, people should be trying even harder, especially restaurants, you know, because they want your business. They want you back in there because they've lost millions over the last three to five months. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there's less to do right now, and there's less people coming in the door there, you know, there's, there's less people to wait on. There's less everything in my mind, it should be easier to maintain your restaurant staff and control over things than, than ever before, because you don't have 15 tabletops with one waitress. You've got five in our example after example. So how do you put that jadedness away and just accept, well, now things are going to be even worse, even though they should be easier for people. The tone that you're giving yes. is one of, man, these people are just letting me down and I can't really, let them, I can't really let them get away with it. And how do you deal with the fact that all these people are letting you down? And it just seems like you're taking it very personally. This is, this is kind of a, a theme that I've often seen with a lot of women in my life, moms, girlfriends, wives. Um, and I've always kind of played the part of the, Hey, let's just chill out. No big deal. We'll move on to the next. Um, mm -hmm. And where does that come from? I don't know. I think it's a fake it till you make it kind of thing. But, and this will take me to my next avenue of discussion. I think I got it from my dad. My dad, and when I look back on him, he passed away very early, but he was a very stoic man. Almost to a fault in the sense of, and I notice as I'm getting older, I'm getting this way. I have very little tolerance for irrationality or what I deem to be irrational behavior. And my dad was very much that. He never flew off the handle. He never lost his temper. He would just detach and go elsewhere. Um, my, uh -huh. dad, my dad often spent time in his workshop to avoid Mrs. Anxious Wife. Um, you know, go off to the hardware store for four hours. I often write about that. Who, who needs to go to the hardware store for four hours? My dad to escape. He just needed to decompress and get rid of all that anxiety and that un unnecessary irrationality and so forth. So he escaped. And I can see that's where I'm going as well. I don't necessarily think you need to go that swing, swing the pendulum that far in that direction, but I think there's something to it, um, which is, I, I think a lot of women, if they would be honest, would tell you at the risk of tiptoeing towards a sexist line of thinking is that we being women talking, we really need that no nonsense doesn't let the world get to him approaches everything in a very stoic manner. We need that foundation, that rock. And when we see that foundation, that rock is also rattled by everything around him. Oof, that makes us doubly uneasy. And 
it has a cascading effect down the line in the marriage. And frankly, in their respect for you. Has the wife ever verbalized anything along those lines of you just need to calm down or chill out or you're making me anxious, anything like that? Um, you're making me anxious, maybe. But, you know, one of the things that pisses me off is that the woman never gets angry. And that's something that <laughs> I kind of need. Like, I need the feedback that, like, you're pissed off at me because if, if she get angry at me, maybe it would it would foster some change in me. But she's such an angel and she tries to understand everything from everybody's perspective that she doesn't get mad, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's really difficult because you can almost do anything and the woman just doesn't get mad at you, you know? Well, I'm seeing a pattern here, which is I'm expecting people to people, places, things, businesses, whatever it may be to react in a certain way. And when they don't, man, that really bugs the shit out of me. What are they thinking? What are they, what are they doing? Why isn't she like this? So this behooves or this begs the question rather, um, what was your, I talked about my my childhood with my parents and the, the dynamic there and what I learned from them. Can you tell me about your parents? I don't think I learned a goddamn thing from my parents, to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I had a great childhood as far as I remember. I don't remember any trauma that's being hidden somewhere behind a closed door. Yeah. Told my parents until recently, up until 50 years they were together, and they recently have gotten divorced. <clears throat> I had one sister, um, you know, that growing older did not really have much of a relationship with and don't have a relationship now. But um, didn't have it. But I don't think I really learned anything either. I think that's 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 part of the crux of it is um, had this very had this big support system with uh, you know good supportable uh, good support good stable family you know a lot of family around and then all of a sudden you kind of get thrown out into the woods when you become an adult and you start going to college or whatever it is and you don't really have any life experience you know so you so you go out in the world and you meet these women that have hooves and horns. And you don't know what to do, you know, because they're taking advantage of you and everything else. So that's something they didn't teach me is just the basics about, about life, about relationships, about balancing a checkbook. There was, there was nothing, you know what I mean? Hmm. They were just going, but there wasn't anything negative. They were busy with work. They were busy doing their own thing. They kind of let you be. Um, I don't know if they saw that I didn't really need any of that. I mean, I was a very, um, I've always been, like you said, anxious, ambitious, driven. You know, I bought my first house when I was 20 years old. I never lived in an apartment. I, I was a hustler. You know what I mean? I, I was very driven to be an adult before I should have been an adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny. You, and you now call, you call yourself an anxious uh-huh. person, but you sure do exhibit the signs of very much a go-getter, um, I don't know what the term is, but typically people that are such go-getters and are so driven are the opposite of anxious. I can't say I've ever heard that. I didn't know that. I thought most people that were driven are anxious. Typically anxiety is such that it keeps people from taking those steps to do those big things. Like I bought my first house at 20, a, a highly anxious person would be like, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool renting a place. What, what if, what if the roof blows off? What if there's a tornado? What if, what if, what, what if, you know, that's an anxious right. person. Um, but you really go for it. And I'm, are you the type in business to take some chances? Are you the type to look for those next opportunities and investments and take a little bit of risk? If so, that's not necessarily think, an anxious person. I think I was that person. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think that life has beaten me down so much mm-hmm. trying to get ahead mm-hmm. and having no positive results in the last 10 years that, um, like I said, a, a big rock of jade sitting on my shoulder now. You know? sure. Okay, well, that's a big statement there. I've had no positive results in the last 10 years. Um, is this a matter of glass half empty or have you literally had a string of horrible luck over the past 10 years that, you know, is it, give me an example. What's horrible luck for the past 10 years for you? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's an overstatement. Um, <laughs> so it's not, it's not a materialistic value. It's in a purpose value. Um, the, the best example I could tell you is, you know, I, I now have a bigger house. I now have, you know, I guess a better materialistic life, but that's something that, that I've never really reached for. You know, it's something that is available to me, but it's not something that I need or, or, or I find purpose in or that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. So my, my wife would look at our materialistic life and she'd say, wow, this is something that I never in a million dreams thought I would have. Sure. For me, I, I owned my first house when I was 20 years old. Now I own a bigger house and I'm 45, but that doesn't make me feel any better about myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So these the material things don't have any, any, any value to me, even though I've worked hard for them and, and I've persisted on getting them done or accomplished or physically put my own sweat and tears into it. It doesn't bring any value into my life. And I'm, I, I have a hard, I'm finding a hard time figuring out why that is. Well, I mean, if you look at the richest people in the world, you know, your celebrity types or, you know, going back to the, the lottery analogy, the people that tend to win the lottery, they go through that pretty quick and they go, you know what? Money doesn't solve everything. And I think you're realizing right. that if you don't have, you know, to sound cliche a higher purpose, um, in my vocabulary, I talk about having a mission as a dude. Um, I am the type that if I don't have something to strive for, such as this DSO thing and all the things that comprise, it keeps me super, super busy on top of my regular day job and kids and, being married and everything else. Um, I need that thing for me. It's my thing, this DSO thing. It's my mission. Yes. I have parameters in place. This is what I want to do. This is what's keeping me, their day-to-day tasks that keep me busy. They're little things, little quick wins that make me pump my fist every now and then and go, yes, that was a good sales day. It's awesome. Or I had a great session with that guy and he just signed up for five more sessions. Yes. Those little things keep me going. Um, when I was in my first marriage with three kids, when I look back on why was I such a mope? Why was I such a ho-hum whatever kind of guy? Wow. I, didn't, I didn't have a drive. I, there was really nothing. I just existed. I was a dad. Um, it was because I didn't have a mission. And it, it was as simple as that. If I had said, this is my thing and I'm going for it and world get out of my way. Um, I think every man need some semblance of that. Otherwise you're just kind of aimless and going, eh, eh. and you're just one of those guys that's sitting on the recliner going, well, see what Netflix has going on. You know, what the hell else am I going to do? Uh, do you have, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, but the, the hard part is what is the mission, right? Sure. Well, I mean, that's where you start taking inventory of yourself. What is it that gets your juices flowing? I've been doing that for, years i don't know the answer to that you watch these infomercials about these guys that invent these products and they make millions of dollars selling you know uh, liquid that turns to rubber and it's like <laughs> the stuff that people have an interest in trying to make millions of dollars at like for one i don't have there's nothing i found 
that it's like, oh man, this would this would save the world. This would be such a game changer. For one, I haven't found what that invention is, and two, I guess I just don't like money enough that there's something I want to come up with. You know what I mean? In my head, it's like, man, this is really gonna well, this is gonna make a difference in my life because I don't like money that much. You I know? think you're I think you're limiting yourself by framing it in terms of money. It doesn't necessarily have to be a business venture. In fact, here's an idea. What if you did something that gave back to the community in some way? What in, here's, boy, this is going to sound very preachy, but what if instead of, hey, world, show me what you got. Oh, man, that sucks. What about flipping the script, so to speak, and saying, hey, world, here's what I got. I noticed that this and this sucks. Here's what I'm going to do about it. And I don't know what that may be. It may be I'm going to start a charity for homeless veterans. I don't know. Just random thing. that came up top of my head. Um, sure. A big brother program for kids. I'm going to start the program for kids and teach them very basic life lessons because no one ever taught me that. And I'm noticing all these kids, none of them know jack shit about how to live life. I'm going to start that thing. I'm going to go to the school and say, I would like to start this program. What do you think, school? And I'm not going to quit until I get an investor and we're going to start up a little online program for kids. That just came right off the top of my head. I have no idea what your thing may be. But maybe that's the avenue to go go down, which is I'm kind of sick of bitching about everything. I'm going to do something about it. And that something is, I don't know. Let me write down 50 quick ideas until one of them makes me go, that's kind of cool. What would that involve? That's the little spark. And you know, you hit the thing, whatever the thing is, when you look up and you go, it's already three o'clock. I haven't eaten lunch yet. That was fast. You know, I started, I started, playing, I started playing around with this thing at 10 o'clock in the morning. And it's, wow, that's when I know I got the thing. And I get in that zone. Right. I get in that zone when I'm writing, when I write the books. Like the Dead Bedroom Fix was relatively quick writing on my part because it just flew out. It was like a, a serendipitous thing. Um, where did that come from? Where did the, that initial oomph come from? Um, when I look back and say, what was the genesis of that? Really, it was my life situation was the big push that eventually caused me to do some writing online, which I said I need to put this in a formal blog thing. What's a good idea for a domain for that? Let me think. I'm starting over. Dad's starting on that. That can't be available. Holy crap, it's available. And it's only going to cost me like three bucks. <laughs> no brainer. Mm-hmm. Done. And then it just built and built and built. And then, wow, one, one of these articles I wrote, it's getting a lot of hits. Why is that? Let me research the topic. Wow, it turns out this is kind of a big topic. This topic of sexless marriages, dead bedrooms. Men just sure aren't happy. And some guy said, you should write a book about this or something. I'd buy it. I'm like, hmm, there's an idea. And then another guy says, have you read this in this book? It's kind of like what you did, but not as good. Hmm, interesting. No, I haven't. I think I can do better than this book. Write my own book. The next thing you know, you should charge for talking to guys about this stuff. So and this has been going on for five, six years for me now. And it feels like two yeah. days. It just So that's the kind of momentum you need. Got to find that thing, whatever it is. I know a guy recently started up um, an inner city basketball program that also doubles as a one. Now that we got the kids in here playing basketball for a league, we're going to do other things. So, hey, kids, while you're here to learn at a basketball camp today, we also have this guy here to talk about the importance of school, and he's going to offer you some after-school programs so you guys can graduate on time and then maybe go to college. 
that was that was his thing and and I've watched him and I've helped him with the marketing of it and it's kind of slowly but surely snowballed it's taken a back step because of the covid crap but I'm watching this he that's his thing and he's building on it and he's building on it and he's building on it and it's slowly but surely is he making a penny on this yet nope in fact he had to go out to businesses and say hey help sponsor this cuz I can't pay for this all myself and he got sponsors and right now, now he's got a, and so he realized, huh, people are willing just to hand over money for this. I need to create a program to go after the Kroger's as a big retailer and some other places and say, you know, for a thousand bucks, you can be a gold member and help sponsor this program. And I'll put the Kroger's logo on all of our stuff. And it just built and built. And I was just very impressed with it. That's a very long-winded way of saying, you'll figure it out. <laughs> you, just, you just have to... I mean, I, I, like I said, I think you're entirely correct. It's just been trying to figure out what that thing is for me. Uh, absolutely. And I think you are so... You're kind of caught in a, a circle here. <clears throat> a circle of, this didn't go the way I wanted. Crap, I'm, I'm feeling really negative about it right now. Well, what's the point of doing this and this? Now that I'm trapped in this fog of negativity, I, I can't really think positively enough or my mind doesn't open it enough to allow any kind of thoughts of a mission or activities or whatever you want to call it. I, I can't get to that headspace. And because I right. can't get to that headspace, now I'm just even more negative. And now that I'm more negative, this thing over here, which doesn't really piss anybody off, it seems. It's pissed me off. <laughs> why isn't the world yeah. pissed? Why isn't the world pissed off about this like I am? What is wrong with the world? Don't they see what's wrong here, dude? I mean, that's a pretty common problem. You're just stuck in a really negative spiral. And how the hell do you get out of it? I, it's one of those fake it till you make it things. I think it's one of those. Have you ever heard the uh, the band aid or not band aid? Excuse me, the rubber band. Put the rubber band on your wrist, and every time you have a negative thought, you snap yourself with it. Yes, yeah. That's kind of conditioning yourself. I've never done that, but apparently that works for some people. That's a really crude way of saying, hey, cut it out. Um, maybe it's a matter of bringing the wife in and saying, wife, here's the deal. I recognize that I've been kind of a, a negative ass for a while now. Anytime you catch me being unnecessarily glasses half empty, dude, just tell me, would you please? I'm a big boy. I can take it. Right. Um, which brings me to the next point. Are you the type that if she were to say, Hey, cool it. Are you the type to take, take that personally, take offense to that? Do you take that in for what it is? Is she afraid to um, criticize you is what I'm trying to say. I think up until um, just recently, yeah, she's been afraid. That's a, that's the thing. She's been afraid to get mad. She's been afraid to voice her opinion because she's so, introverted yeah. she doesn't like to rock the boat she wants yeah. everybody to be happy yeah. yeah so i let her know that you let me know and, and that helps me to change my attitude you know are you a controlling person not at all i'm trying to control my situation as far as i'm unhappy that i have no control over my life and what's going on right now and other people but i, I don't think i'm a controlling person no you're not the type to walk into a room and go, what's that box doing over there? Why is that out of place? Man, who broke this thing? What is this? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I probably would notice. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. know, when you have kids, you, you notice if something's out of place, right? Yeah, yeah. 
true, true. I just was curious. People tend to repeat patterns from past relationships. And I wonder if your wife being the pushover, can everyone just get along maybe to a fault? You know, I don't know if she has boundaries necessarily to people like that tend to not have personal boundaries. Um, if she would say to a very minor degree, man, I've, I've met another negative controlling guy and let them into my life. Sounds very negative on my part to say that, but that's, that's where I was going with that line of thinking is, are you exhibiting any of the same things that the previous guy did? I don't, I don't think so because, uh, you know, I want her, uh, she's a very independent woman and I've never stopped her from being independent. I'm, I try to get her to go out and make new girlfriends. I want her to have a girl's night out. You know, I want her to spend time away from her life and, and, and be, do her own thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm not controlling at all in those aspects. Like I said, it's, it's more of a lack of control over my own life and, and what the hell I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you... I'm looking at your email. There seems to be a tone of, I, I wish my wife would maybe exhibit more passion about things instead of being so passive. Is that fair? Exactly. Yes, sir. So your need for her to react in an X way, please show me more passion. Show me more energy. Show me, you know, get into something. Uh, is that out of fear on your part? That is, is there a need on your part? Like, Wife, let me in a little bit more. Show me what you got going on because you're kind of a mystery to me and that makes me feel uneasy. I think there's part of that because there's there's so much um, easygoingness all the time to everything, you know? Um, I think she she grew up and in, in her first marriage, you know, I think she, she's grown to be independent because she had to, because she didn't have anybody to rely on. And, and I come from the other spectrum, right? I come from the white and the white horse spectrum where I'm going to arrive on a white horse and I'm going to save you from all your problems. Ah. You know, I come from too much of the provider and she yeah. doesn't need that person at all because she can provide for herself. I think so that right. gives me nothing yeah. to do. You know what I mean? I think, because well, I'm suffering you. from that role. I think you're hitting on something right there. That's another huge aspect of this. Um, she doesn't need you. Right. Which then turns into rejection and abandonment. Okay. So you do have your own feelings of abandonment of the wife doesn't really need me. Why doesn't she need me? That makes me feel less of a man. Sure. Where do you think that, that, uh, um, what do you think the genesis of that is? Is something from your childhood? Uh, To be honest, I have no idea. I've thought about that over and over and over again. And I don't know the answer to that. Because you're caught in a very, very, very typical scenario. Um, whether it's one that I can categorize as codependent is not for me to say. I'm not by no psychologist and so forth, but the codependency typically is um, I need you. And the other one says, and I need you to need me. Um, but then she doesn't necessarily need you. Very independent woman. Um, I am the type in my relationships, not to go on and on about myself. Um, no, you're good. Where I, um, I bristle when people need me. Um, I'm the opposite. So that makes you me br- kind of an bristle to find, to find bristle. <laughs> it's I'm uneasy. Cringe. Yeah. Cringe. I'm okay. un- uneasy. Okay. With it. Um, so when somebody's very anxious, needy, 
uh, smothering me. I'm like, Ugh, mm-hmm. stop. As opposed to, I'm, I've noticed when it comes to my women and when it comes to my uh, male friends, I tend to gravitate towards those very independent. Um, they're happy going off on their own, doing their own thing. They can be alone in a room with their thoughts, reading a book, doing something. They don't need constant attentions, constant stimulus, and they don't need me. And that attracts me to them for whatever reason. Um, I think that may stem from my own issues with my mom, who was very and continues to be a pretty damn needy person. And when when I notice her neediness, I go, ugh. And so instead of me trying to seek out a replacement for mom, which I understand is a very common thing for men in relationships, I, I steered the boat in the opposite direction and maybe too far in the opposite direction. My uh, first wife was a very independent, I don't need anybody person. Uh, my second wife is a very, even more so independent, I don't need anybody person. But I tell you what, that's attractive to me. And I think for a lot of women, maybe that's a feminine quality in me. Um, a lot of women report the same thing. As soon as I get a sense that their man needs them, needs them to function properly emotionally, needs them physically, needs them in some way, and he's less independent than what he used to be, especially when they first started dating, they just shut down. And they just, that, that switch gets flipped off. And they may not be able to define it, but all they can tell you is, I just don't feel the oomph that I used to. And then when they get to therapy and then it comes out where it's like, you're always smothering me and you're always talking about asking me how I'm feeling and you're always wondering what's going on and what's wrong and you're always, and all this behavior is needy, needy, needy. It's a galactically huge turnoff to women. And frankly, it is to me too. So I can uh, sympathize with them in that regard. Um, so when you're calling, it's even a turn off to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a turn off to you, but you would love to see some semblance of neediness from your wife, at least a little bit, right. To kind of activate some of your protector male programming. You know, I'm fine with turning from a provider to a lover. I don't need to be a provider anymore. I, I, I'm, you know, fine. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. <laughs> um, the problem is finding something to occupy your time, you know, re- reading some of your stories from other men on Facebook and they talk about, you know, go, go hunting, go fishing, go, go do this, go do that. You know, the one, one of the issues, I guess, if you want to go back to childhood and having an upbringing is it wasn't a negative upbringing, but again, there was no, there's no bond there. There, there, there wasn't any hunting or fishing or sports related stuff or, my father didn't have any interest in anything like that. So I grew up having an interest in nothing like that. And as an adult, I have no interest in almost nothing. So trying to find something to occupy my time has been very difficult because I'm not, I'm not that typical. I'm going to go, I'm going to go out and landscape my yard for eight hours and I'm going to love it, you know, cause I could just give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, you sound like to me a guy who hasn't really stepped outside of the comfort zone very much. Have you even given a, a chance to any of these things that you're mentioning? Um, it's not that I haven't given him a chance. I think it's more of like, where do you even start, right? Like um, everything in our world is so competitive. <clears throat> so for instance, if I want to go out and I want to learn how to, uh, to shoot, which I do, and I, I want to buy some firearms to, to, to protect my family, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, first you got to go to a range and you got to do the paperwork to, to file yeah. for, 
your license or whatever it is right now during COVID, you got to wear a mask. You, yeah. You've got to figure out all the differences. I mean, have you ever gone into a sporting goods store and looked at all the fishing rods there is? I mean, there's a thousand different fishing rods. Where do you even start? What rod is best for this? What rod's best for that? It's so overwhelming that again, it puts you back into that anxious spot and you're just like, you well, go. screw it. I ain't going to do it because I just yeah. don't know what to do here. You know, you've anxious yourself right out of options in life. Everything. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, you, you'd much prefer use that to your favor. And this is something I do with my lack of patience, which maybe, if I were being honest, maybe I feel that I also get in those situations and it brings anxiety in me. And so I steer away from that. But I think I steer away from it in a healthy way, which is, hey, you, store dude, come here. I don't know jack shit about fishing, uh, fishing equipment, period. I don't know a rod from a reel and everything else. So I'm going to rely on you to tell me, and here's my budget, what I should get. I'm just going to roll with it. All right, done. It's it, it, using the term. It's off my plate. Now I've made a decision. Sweet. Now I'm going fishing. Where the hell do I go fishing? <laughs> Google fishing spots or call up dude that I know you fish, right? Yeah. What's a good fishing spot. I'm taking up fishing. Um, when I'm saying these little anecdotal things, does that fill you with dread of I really don't like to talk to people about that kind of stuff. I'm not the type of guy to be so forceful about that kind of stuff. Or is that something that falls in your wheelhouse? You could see yourself doing that. No, it falls in my wheelhouse. But what fills me with dread is, in, in your anecdote, is that you think you can find somebody competent at a store to sell you something <laughs> that they actually know something about. See, you're, so what, the fact is, don't, it's the don't blind know. leading the blind. Well, you don't, you don't know this for a fact. Um, I, for example, um, again, story of myself, uh, I've been getting more into, as I'm getting older, my, my body's starting to break down on me. I got a lot of tendon, tendonitis issues and other things from working out and lifting weights for so many years that now I'm starting to do more stretching, yoga, and I'm doing long walks. I got a neighborhood here. There's a lot of big hills and stuff, so I can do like a five-mile walk, and it's really good exercise for me. Well, of course... It's going to sound like I'm going down Matt's negative spiral here, but now I have what's called plantar fasciitis in my foot, which is the tendon that runs on the underside of my foot is inflamed and really, really hurts when walking and stuff. So I start doing some Googling and they're like, you need better soles, better shoes. It's all about the shoes. So I went to a um, running store in town and they sell running shoes and they were known as the, if you're a runner, this is where you go. It's like a fancy place. They, scan your feet the whole nine yards so some older woman there and i just i'm at your mercy i don't know jack about shoes and running shoes i'm not running though i'm doing long distance walking here's my problem and she's like come right over here she did the foot scan and then she asked me like some questions and then she checked out my foot she's like yeah you got arch this one's kind of flat and this foot's actually like a full size smaller than the other foot. Did you know that? Oh no, I had no idea. Yep. And then blah, 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 blah. Next thing I know, I'm walking out with $170 worth of shoes and socks. Yeah. But I tell you what, (sighs) that's off my plate. Now I can walk and I love these. I have these Brooks brand shoes that are like walking on pillows, but they're real supportive. My foot's not rolling. I got fancy socks for the first time ever. That made a difference. So, So let me ask you this. What would your feeling be if you went into the store and you found somebody like a 15 year old to help you that didn't know anything about the shoes. And then you didn't know what to buy. And basically you didn't have a good experience. How would you have walked out of the store? 
how would I have walked out would have been, you know, I tell you what, 15 year old dude, um, I'm going to think about this for a little bit and I'm going to go check out some other places. I'll be back. And he'd be like, all right, dude. And that'd be the end of it. And then go on to the next place. So you, Okay. So you'd be able to maintain a good attitude as you walked out of the store, just saying, well, that didn't work out. Let's just try somebody else. What would the end game be if I were to go into a negative spiral of stupid 15 year old? What's he doing working there anyway? I thought this was a good running place. Everyone said this is a good running place. This is awful. This is terrible. I wonder if this is because of Corona or what it is, but why are they even hiring this kid? At the end of the day, I still don't have my stinking pair of running shoes. So move on. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, wipe, wipe the slate, the plate clean and go next. Next is Google running shoe store. Well, there is a place like 30 miles away. I guess I could go there. Let me give them a call first before I make the drive. You know, these are not something that I'm, yeah. I mean, I guess that's something that I just need to work more and more on is trying to change my attitude about that. You know, my, my attitude is so jaded from so many negative experiences through the years. You know what I mean? As far as um, you want the end result, it, it's not about the, what's the saying? It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And there's some truth in that because if you, if the journey sucks getting there, you'll find that once you get there, your experience is tainted because the journey mm-hmm. was a nightmare to get there. And the problem is so many of my journeys have been tainted that the destinations are now also tainted. You know, what's funny though, is every single, and I mean, every single solitary man that I look at as that's a successful dude, whether it's, you know, he's got the money, he's got a job, he's got some kind of social cachet or something that makes people go, Ooh, you know, look up to him. If you sit them down and you have a couple of beers with them and say, tell me your story. It's going to be shit show after shit show after shit show. It's going to be, and then my wife left me, and then my child died. And, and you'll, hear awful, you'll hear awful stories where you just sit there with your mouth open going, holy crap, I had $5 left to my name. Um, I was panhandling. Uh, I lost my job. The worst of the worst. But they just kept going and kept going and kept going. And then they found their thing, whatever that may be. And then somebody recognized that, they were a real go-getter and gave them a chance and gave them a job, which led to this, which you'll hear it all. But I think the commonality in all those guys is that they all kind of go, yep, it sucked. Such is life. Next. Um, Right. I I tell my kids this, that there seems to be a, especially in, you know, I got two teenagers. There seems to be within them, thanks to social media and so forth. We go on and on about that this general theme of life is rainbows and sunshine. I'm sorry. Oh, am I losing you? I was saying you're trying to say that there's some general consensus, like life should be easier. That it's rainbows and sunshine, but it has these occasional dips. When I think it's flip it, it's actually life is really tough shit show with the occasional spike. Um, to think otherwise, I think is a little naive and you're setting yourself up for a whole bunch of, Oh man, you know, where's my piece of the pie? Oh man, this sucks. It's like, yeah, it sucks. Of course it sucks. And you keep striving and working towards that, those spikes of positivity because they're going to come. You just got to right. be ready for them. And I, I mean, I think, 
I think that's all part of it, not being prepared. I think I lived a life up until being a teenager that life was all a bowl of roses or whatever. And then life hit me in the face like a hot bag of nickels, you know? So it sounds like you keep coming back to the theme of, I was really ill prepared for, to cope, -prepared, with, yeah. to cope with life in general and all the slings and arrows are going to come my way. And yep. because of that, that's kind of colored my perception from here on out, from then on out. It's just been thing after thing after thing. And no one stopped you, put their arm around you and said, it's no big deal. Here's what you do. Right. I think that's why mentorship and having a paternal figure is so important. Um, and it sounds to me like you were lacking that guidance that I use the word paternal because that's typically the kind of the male thing, the, the dad or the older brother, uncle to put their arm around you and say, let me tell you about girls. <laughs> or, let me, Absolutely lacking the guidance for sure. Yeah, let me tell you about money. No, you don't want to put that credit card down. We don't, you don't want to mess with that. And here's why, or you don't want to mess with that girl. She's bad news. And here's why. It was really basic right. life lesson. And when you don't get those, oh boy, it kind of, uh, like I say, it just kind of snowballs from there and, and it uh, permeates out to all kinds of different things in life. But the positive is, is that, aha, you recognize that, but don't, I don't want you to feel like you're enslaved by that, that that has to color your perception from here on out and everything about life. It's like, once you recognize and you go, ah, it's at that literally at that point where you could go, well, I'm not doing that anymore. Or this is going to change and this is how. And I don't want you to have that tone of powerlessness, which is, yeah, easier said than done. Sure. Yeah. All I got to do is just flip a switch, right? Haha. <laughs> yeah. Right. When actually, yeah, you do. That's all there is to it. You flip the flipping of the switch is deciding. No, I'm not going to do that anymore. And you, honey, I need your help. And, you child, I need your help too. And you friend that I barely know, but I'm going to make my friend, you and I are going fishing. I don't know anything about fishing. You're going to teach me. Got it. You over there, you're going to help me out with this. Just that go getterness, shoving that anxiety to this anxiety to the side. Hey, nobody ever showed me how to do this. Then go find somebody to show you how to do it. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of been uh, my mantra. I don't mind looking like an idiot for five seconds. Or getting laughed at yeah well at the end of the day guess what now i know how to do that thing i don't have to worry about that anymore whatever that may be i don't think i have any problems um like i'm not a person that's in denial about my behaviors or my my negative attitude or whatever it is uh, my, my problem is implementation like you said just simply saying i'm not going to do that anymore you know what i mean like, like i realized all these things a long time ago but mm -hmm. Just because you realize it doesn't mean it's still not ingrained in you or instilled in you that, you know, you don't have these qualities to go out in the world and be the big bad wolf. Because let's face it, this world will eat you alive. You oh, know? Yeah. absolutely. <clears throat> well, um, I have a me metaphor. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, please continue. I have a metaphor I tell my, my wife about when I get on the phone with bill collectors and I'm trying to haggle over like, why did you charge me extra for this? Or why am I paying for this when I didn't sign up for that? And as the man, you know, partly taking that provider role, and you're the one always making these phone calls or dealing with these contractors, I have a metaphor that I go out in the world with a suit of armor, and by the end of the day at 5 o'clock, there's like nothing left of it. It's got a bunch of holes in it because yeah, sure. everything's an uphill battle trying to fight for, for what you deserve, what your rights are, what you paid for, mm -hmm. whatever it is. 
that's something I get jealous about women because most of the time women are in those roles. They don't take on the role of getting on the phone and say, listen, mother effer, <laughs> you're going to turn this around because I didn't pay for this. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, also and that just tears you down. I'm you know? also no- noticing a general theme of you saying basically you're taking the weight of the world on your shoulders. Well, yeah. who else is going to do it if I don't do well, it? That, that if, it if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. Oh, well, there you go. I think that's where the, quote, leadership comes in, which is we have to get X done. I'm going to do this. Yo, wife, you're going to do this. Yo, son, and you're going to do this. Um, and I think that taking on the weight of the world and and who the hell else is going to do it and I can't trust anybody, I think, boy, that's that's also colored a lot of other things in your life. It, not only your family dynamic, but also walking into the sporting goods store for a fishing pole. <laughs> I can't trust those people to do it. Well, what if right. you can? <laughs> I can't trust my wife to do this. Well, what if you can? What if it means, honey, I'm going to sit you down for the next 30 minutes. I'm going to teach you how to do this thing. I don't know what it may be. And then, you know what? Now I can trust my wife to do that thing. Shit, that's a load off. What else can she do? <laughs> And I think part of as a man is that we have to realize you can't do it all yourself. And it doesn't make you less of a man to say, you know, raise your hand and go help. And you're going to have to put faith in other people. Otherwise, it's going to drive you freaking nuts, as you've learned. Um, you know, I, I think I learned a long time ago that I can't do it all by myself. But, yeah. but uh, trying to delegate to others and, put, and having faith in them has done nothing but continue to let me down. I know. Well, it's, you got to keep at it. You got to keep at it. And it, it's, it, you got to realize that in some cases, it's a matter of you just not guiding them in the right way. Or if it's, you know, some kind of contractor or something, it's not putting the proper things in place. Do you think, big picture question, mm-hmm. do, you, do you give people the impression that you're the kind of guy that they can mess with, push around, get away with stuff with? I don't think so. I don't think I'm a pushover, or at least, uh, I mean, I give people the benefit of the doubt. I try not to be controlling. I, I don't micromanage. You know, I'm not here. I don't want to waste my time. If I hire you to do a job and you say you can do it, I'm going to let you do it the way you think it should be done until something happens. And I have to say, no, 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 that's not what we talked about or whatever, you know? And then I'll show my, my feelings of how, you know, that didn't work out the way we talked or whatever it is. So, so no, it's just, again, you, you put, you give them the benefit and, and, they take advantage of you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like saying, well, I don't need you to be here right at nine, you know, be here at, you know, just be here before 10, but then they push it and they're, they're here after lunch or something. That's just a, a wild example. You know, you, yeah, yeah. it's just for your kids. You give them an inch, they take a mile, you know? Oh, sure, sure. Absolutely. But they tend to do that when they know they can get away with it. Um, right. And the only way oh. to prevent that is to say, you know how you said nine, but you showed up at 1115. Well, this is what's going to happen. Right. And sticking to it. That's a big thing, right? So as you can see, this is like a multifaceted thing. This being the dude and the leader and it all goes back to, it always, 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 always goes back to tell me about your childhood. And the guy will say like, well, my dad left when I was 10. I was molested. Yeah. yeah." And then we slowly peel back the layers of the onion. We realize that's kind of the crux of the whole thing. And you've kind of identified that too, man. I was kind of aimless and I've been feeling that way ever since. And I've never had somebody just kind of help me steer the boat here. And I've taken on everything myself. Yeah. Uh, one thing, which may seem like out of left field, but I think it 
has an effect on everything is how is your physicality, your physical health? It's probably the best it's been in my adult life because so we started with a personal trainer um, about a year ago and the wife and I both go to the personal trainer twice a week and I see him myself once a week and we compete and we have a good time at it and we push each other and it, it's really good. But it's a small drop in the bucket when there's 24 hours in a day and that one hour a day makes you feel great. But then you come home and it's like, and eh, now what, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I wish I could go to the gym twice a day, every day, but with COVID, the, g- the gym right now, I'm lucky it's open at all. You know, it's like we're circumventing the rules and stuff where we live oh, right. to even get okay. in the gym. <laughs> How can you take that stress relieving, good feeling gym experience and apply it elsewhere? Does that then become a, a late evening long walk like what I do? Does that become a get a punching bag, a heavy bag, and put it in the basement and whack away at it? You know, I don't know. Because one, one of the issues I'm having is I want to feel genuine, right? I want to feel like, all right, this is something I genuinely have an interest in trying. And I'm going to take a whack at it and see if I can stick with it. But it's hard to – I haven't had a genuine interest like to even go the, you know what I mean? To go the distance. Like if I was going to say, all right, I don't have a bike, but maybe I would like to buy a new mountain bike and start riding around my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I haven't gotten, I can't push myself to the point to even buy the bike to try it because I just don't genuinely feel the interest in it. So maybe it's a matter of picking a one thing and pushing yourself to do it with the thought in mind of, you know what, if I end up not liking this, no big deal. I'll just put the bike for sale. Hey, at least I tried. But, you know, I think, I think you are one little aha moment away from getting over this hump. But Boy, that would be nice. Just but you, but you are, but you are putting up un- unneeded obstacles, but completely understandable obstacles given all your, your, given your mentality is that, you know, why buy the bike? I got to go to the store pick one out. They're not going to know what the hell to do. The thing's going to break on me. Where do I take it to get fixed? And then I got to ride the thing. When do I have time for that? Ugh. And then I, gotta, what do I, I absolutely think that I'm, I'm getting in my own way. Yeah, there you go. That's much more succinct. You're very much getting in your own way. Nobody else is. Seems like everybody else is kind of sitting back and watching you. And yeah, they're going to let you down, but such is life. You still got to do your own thing. And uh, for whatever reason, you're just, yeah, you're getting in your way. Yeah. Um, do you have a close go-to male buddy? Um, I guess I would say no. I, you're like most men. Most men do not. Um, not because you're an antisocial, awful person, but because they all have their kids and their wife and their job. And that doesn't leave many hours in the day to you know, fraternize with other men. Very, very common. Women seem to be a little bit better at that. I think it's interesting how many men don't seem to think that this is an important thing in their life. Like they don't even realize what it is they're missing Mm -hmm. because they're so busy with their everyday. Um, But they eventually do. And we call that the midlife crisis. (laughs) You know, the guy all of a sudden wakes up one morning and starts hitting the gym, gets the ponytail and the red Corvette, and he runs off with the secretary. Mm. We all know those guys. You're going to snap eventually and it ain't going to be pretty. Um, or you live this life of just utter despair and be the fat guy on the couch, dude, you know, that's 
really your only two options. But you're gonna have to. Wait I've emailed your, I've emailed your link about your book to a couple of people that I thought could use it because I thought it's been great so far. And um, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to live a life where I tell people, you know, you give the best of your eight hours a day to somebody else, whether you're self-employed mm-hmm. or you work for somebody. We go to work and we spend eight to 10 hours a day and then we come home, we're exhausted. And that's the person that our wife gets or our friends get or whatever it is. And I said, I'm going to try to live my life the other way where I give the best hours of the day to myself and give the other hours to somebody else. And that all sounds excellent in theory, but it's a matter of doing it, right? In theory. Exactly. It's a mantra, but I haven't been able to implement it yet. You're talking to yourself, you're talking about yourself as if it's a third person, you know, like, man, I wish Matt could figure out how to do that. And I think, you know, it's just a matter of taking the steps to do it. And maybe you feel overwhelmed by, you look at the plan, maybe you don't give it this much thought, but you look at a general plan in your head that includes 97 steps and you're like, screw that. When really it's just one of the things one of the things that's been disappointing is I've tried to grab other men along with me to say, look, I need a partner in this. Like I need, I need yeah. a, yeah. I need a goose to my maverick. Right. <laughs> and I, I find it very upsetting that other men don't want to jump on board. It's like, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, you know, let's do this. Like I'm trying to put together a, a dude camping trip, you know, no females, just dudes, you yeah. know, do some boating, do some fishing, whatever. And it's like pulling teeth to get these men to jump on board and go mm-hmm. camping for a weekend. Like, well, so that's, that's very disheartening too. You know, there's nobody well, there, else to join in the fight. There's that theme again, which is people aren't acting in, in accordance to what I think they should. And that really upsets me. Right. The way I want them to. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, I expect them to do this and they're not doing it. Um, you know, what, what are your two options there? Be happy with yourself and go out for a one man camping trip. Um, persist and push guys. I'm doing the camping trip, whether you're coming or not last chance. Right. All right. This is your last, last chance. This is what I'm doing and go do it. Take pictures, have a blast. Maybe you'll meet some new people out in the campground. I don't know, but you know, you can't wait for the, the world to um, come along for the ride. Just go do it yourself. I'm the type that I, I don't have any issues being alone, but I completely relate to your um, plight be, being disheartened by the, the, the actions of the other men. You know, I, I put in yeah. my book, I put in my book how, uh, um, hey guys, let's go play some basketball. There's an open gym. Anybody can walk in. It's courts wide open. Let's get together a few guys and play like three on three. Something. No, 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 no. Every no, right down the line. Nope, 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 nope. Um. It, yeah, it's like guys, come on. You know, we don't have to all make beer in our garage and play fantasy football all the time. There's more to life. Let's go do some things. To yeah. a lot of men, it's like, no, I'm kind of comfortable where I'm at now. I'm cool with this. All right. That's whatever they want to do. That's fine. Do I think less of them for that? To be honest. Yeah, a little bit. But who am I to say that what they're doing is bad? But I got my thing. Um, maybe it's a matter of you're looking in the wrong places. That, that friend group that you typically go to, they're just not in the same mindset that you're in. Maybe it's a different group altogether. There's uh, groups like, uh, there's a website called Meetup. Um, which you go to and you type in certain interests and they're like, okay, the people that like to fly remote control airplanes, they meet every Saturday down by this lake, go meet with them. Um, people that right. like to play basketball together, all go meet in this park down here, go meet with them. Can't hurt. Worst case scenario, you go there and you're like, wow, I don't like any of these people. <laughs> oh, well, you tried. 
I mean, I'm working on all these things a little bit at a time, especially learning just to be happy with myself. But it's just uh, it's just one step at a time, you know. I think it's a one thing at a time. Um, when you say I'm, I'm working on all these little things, I think maybe pick one thing and just do it. The quick little wins along the way, I think, is what you need. As soon as you get one well, little quick I guess win, I should make, yeah, I should make the list on what those things are then and pick that one thing because I'm not sure what that one thing is. Yeah, put me you know, if it's a list of 50 things, like man, this list just keeps going. Then keep writing, but something's going to stick out from that list as an easy quick win. Like, yeah, I could do that tomorrow if I wanted to. Well, then do it. Yeah. All right. Check. What's next? Yeah, that other thing I could do that next week. Definitely, I could squeeze that in on Wednesday. Okay. Check. Next. You know, at the end of the month, you're like, wow, I did six extra things that I wouldn't have done if I didn't make this stupid list. It's that easy. You just got to do it. And it sounds like you got a darling of a wife, and I bet she'll be thrilled to see you on this on such an adventure. I believe she would as well. Yeah. I mean, you're not dealing with some psycho like a lot of the guys that I talk to that are, as soon as the man, you know, sneezes, she's like, uh, you're going to leave me. This is awful. This is wrong. Terrible. She'd probably be like, yes, go have fun. Camping, bike riding, whatever. Want me to go with you? No? Okay, cool. I'm Miss Independent. That's fine with me. Well, I feel bad for a lot of the, the men that you're having to talk to. You. It, it can get pretty, uh, get pretty hairy. <laughs> you, you've read the stories. You can get pretty bad. Yeah, and I like, you know, you, you're good at giving advice. You like, you know right away. You just need to turn around and run the other way. <laughs> Some of those situations, that's absolutely the healthy thing to do. Yeah. I was in a toxic relationship for six years and I should have gave up on it in the first year. And uh, I didn't know any better. I tried to beat the dead horse and you just can't. There's just no, there's no, no change in it. No, you're exactly right. So, well, you don't want that, this relationship to go in that direction. Um, every relationship can go in that direction. You know, I always talk about pushing buttons. You can push buttons in the other direction too. Everybody has a, uh, lose their mind to become a toxic person button or buttons. It's just a matter of pushing. You're absolutely right. So we all have, we all have the capacity for pretty malevolent behavior and you don't want to go in that direction. And I, with your negativity, you can go pretty far in that direction if you wanted to. But I think it behooves you to put the brakes on now and kind of go the other way. I would agree with you. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time to get to it. What do you think? I'm going to make the list. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like good homework. And to try me. to find one. Try to find one thing I can win at. There you go. There you go. Well, it's this has been cool. very informative. I'm looking forward to uh, additional talks with you. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. And thank you for allowing me to share your story out with everyone. And uh, I'll let you know when it goes up so you can uh, listen to yourself and cringe. <laughs> just like I I'm do. Every time I hear I my own hope, voice. What was that? I just hope part of, I just hope a part of the topic for today. I know it wasn't the topic wasn't about how do you get away from a crazy, you know, whatever, but I hope other men can relate to something that I'm going through. You know what I mean? And hopefully it'll help them. You know? Well, your, your story is the quintessential American male suburbanite story. Um, in fact, just last week I watched a movie. I don't know how it was from the nineties or early two thousands called uh, American beauty. Are you familiar with it? Uh, yeah. Or Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey. That's the quintessential yeah. man stuck in the, 
suburbanite wife that he can't stand. He has no mission in life. He lost his purpose. His job is blah. Everything's blah. And then he pines after the teenage girl and everything else. And it, I mean, it's a story as old as time. The marriages, relationships tend to neuter men if you allow it to. Life tends to really weigh you down if you allow it to. Um, it's just a matter of just kind of waking up. And at the end, he wakes up and then he gets shot and killed. But that's pretty sad. <laughs> that's kind of extreme. Yeah. Extreme exit. Deranged. But uh, yeah, that's tales old as time, right? We've all been there. Well, I'm trying to wake up. It's just a very slow process. Of course. And ain't nobody said it's going to be easy. Well, I, I think that'll be my new, my new mantra though. I appreciate that advice. Uh, you know, life is hard with little tidbits of pleasure instead of life is easy with uh, mm-hmm. little, little bumps here and there, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, a lot of people say that sounds awful and negative. It's like, well, let's play pretend you just lost your job. Let's play pretend again. Your house is on fire. Wow. As soon as you lose your job and you lose your, your shelter, that things just get really hairy really quick. Don't they? Because you've stripped some of those artificial boundaries to the world, so to speak. Now it's just you in the world and at its core, it's scary and it's just, it can be traumatizing and it's holy shit. And you got to work to rebuild the house and go find a new job or else it's at baseline awful. That's life. Let me ask you one more thing. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you can answer this real quick. Yeah. Life wasn't always this hard to me though. You know, I came out of the gate swinging for at least a decade or or more where I take on anything. Nothing's going to push me down. I, I just keep fighting. You know, you're going to tell me no, I'm going to find somebody to tell me yes, you know, and, and things were very easy. I mean, you know, I was driven and I was motivated and I got things done. But today, things just don't seem to work the way they used to. You know, like you, you could say back then 20 years ago, well, you work hard, you keep your nose down, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get a good job and you could put savings away. You could you could have a good family life. You could, you could you know, go to college, whatever it is you want to do. But today, things have changed where it's not about that. Now you can work as hard as you want. Now it's literally, you, you need to know somebody, you need to have some kind of strike of luck, be in the right place at the right time. And those are the things that I've had really struggled with doing, you know, being in the right place at the right time and that kind of thing. The drive will always be there and the ambition will be there and the hard, the work ethic will be there, but it takes much more than those three things to get ahead today. Sure. I think and it's that's very been daunting. I think it's always been that way. Yeah, and I, think, been that way. I think you had a little streak of good luck there. Mm. And I, I think also, I think your uh, negativity is compounded such that it's kind of spiraled and snowballed and caused what used to be to you 20 years ago, a eh, no biggie is now a, uh, oh, just another awful thing. Wonderful. Just add it to the list of awfulness. Um, and I think yeah. that, I think that has a pretty profound effects on a person. I would think, but Topic for uh, for next time for sure. Yes, sir. All right, sir. I'll try to take the, I'll try to take the nails out of my own coffin. There you go. I like it. <laughs> well, thank you again. All right, sir. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate thank you. it. All right, bye bye. Bye bye. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. 
Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.